The Apostle Paul was in prison. Not a great place to be. But if you want to have a rest, if you want to have time on your hands to think, if you want to have time on your hands to write letters, prison is a great place to do that. Today, if you want to accept Christ, go to prison. More people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in prison than any other singular place across the world. It's because they're a captive audience. And there are wonderful Christian people that are traveling around, visiting those folks in prison. And so many have come to faith as a result of those visits. But the Apostle Paul was in prison. He was in prison for preaching, teaching, and living a life based on his faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Messiah who had died and was risen from the dead. And somewhere between 61 and 62 A.D., he was sitting in his prison cell writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. A little more than halfway through the letter, he writes this, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. A worthy life. Paul had written the same thought some 10 years earlier to the church at Thessalonica. Live lives worthy of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, part B. What Paul writes here is exactly what Jesus meant when he said to his disciples, you will be my witnesses. Paul also writes the same thing to the church in Philippi. We read, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Philippians 1.27. But note those first two words. Whatever happens, it doesn't matter what happens, whether it's good or it's bad or it's neutral, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul here is not writing about a life that makes us worthy. This is not a worthiness that gets us something. Paul is writing about a life That reveals we've already received something. And now we will live in a way to show that what we've received is worthy. That it is accomplishing its worthy purpose in us. We've received Jesus Christ. Now our lives are to reveal his worthiness as we are transformed into his likeness. Anything short of that is not the gospel. Anything short of that is not the scriptures. That is the call of God on our lives. But what does a worthy life look like? That's the question we will seek to answer over the next eight Sundays as we walk through this text of Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. This was the text chosen by the Vitality team with the help of several church members one Saturday last fall. The text was chosen both to reveal part of our church history and certainly our goal as we move forward to live a life together as a vital church, healthy and missional. By healthy, we mean pursuing Christ. By missional, we mean pursuing Christ's purposes in our world. Please pray with me as we dive into this letter together. Have your way, Lord. 
have your way. We know that you are the potter. We're the clay in your hands. So mold us and make us as you will. We will wait. We will be still. Amen. Today we look at a worthy life that begins with a call. Verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 4. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. God initiates the call. It doesn't start with us. People don't seek God. God seeks people. God initiates it all. God has always been the initiator. God initiated creation. Though he gave us boundaries, he gave us a choice, but he initiated that whole process for us. God initiated forgiving, uh, forgiveness, giving us a way early on to sacrifice so our sins could be forgiven. God initiated salvation, giving us his son long before we believed, long before any of us were born. And his son is the full and complete sacrifice to rescue and redeem us. God initiates the call. It starts with God, not with us. I remember the call of God on my life, a call that I answered. It was the summer of 1964 at Winona Lake, Indiana, at a Youth for Christ talent competition. What an experience that was. I was in a close harmony mixed quintet in the competition. Yeah, it's it's amazing to think about that. It was incredible. The speaker one night was a man by the name of Bill Glass. Some of you guys might have heard his name before. Bill was an NFL defensive end for the Detroit Lions and later for the Cleveland Browns. That night after hearing him talk, I was in the first row of this massive auditorium, and he was using blocking dummies lined all the way across the front He had five points in his talk. When he made his point, he'd go up and he'd whack that that blocking dummy off the stage and it would land in the front row. I got one of them in my lap. But Bill spoke that night, and after his talk, as an 18-year-old, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ as a budding adult. And that night, my adventure with Jesus began, and everything changed. Everything. And it all began because God initiated the call, the invitation to follow his son, Jesus. But God doesn't just initiate the call to some. God initiates the call universally. God calls all people. He calls all of us. And over the past 54 years, Since answering God's call and living with Jesus as the Lord of my life, I have found that God has called people everywhere, and I have traveled much of the world, and I have found people's similar stories to mine in God initiating the call with them to come to Christ. Sat in places like this where people were worshiping, sat in mud huts in Kenya out in the Maasai Mara with people who are the Maasai who have heard the call of God there in their lives. And God has called people in a variety of ways, in a myriad of circumstances. Yes, the call of God is universally the same. It's come 
follow me. The exact words Jesus used with his disciples. The simplest and most profound message of God to people worldwide. Sometimes that call comes out of overwhelming blessing. Only God could have done this. This is too big for anybody but God. And people hear the call of God in those moments. Sometimes God calls calls out of great trouble. And people cry out to God because they can't fix what's going on. No one seems to be able to help. And God gets called on. And God responds. But it's not because they call. It's because God has been calling. And finally they realize, I need to call back. I've missed the call. Sometimes God calls out of hearing or seeing something that moves us. Every summer, at one point, I will find a rock somewhere. I mean, a big rock. And there I will sit and contemplate and listen to what God is doing in my life. I've sat at the top of Half Dome in Yosemite National Park. I've been on the rocks of the coast of Maine been on the rocks of the coast of Oregon, been on the rocks in Jerusalem, and listened to God. That's my special place to meet with God, on a rock. Where's yours? Do you have a spot where you listen well? God calls. He calls all of us. But God's call is not one and done. It never has been. I'm convinced that there's not a single person on earth that God hasn't called many, many times. As I look over my life, there were many moments as a child and a teen that God had called me. I just didn't answer the call. I let it ring. Do you monitor your calls at home, some of you? Do you let it ring till you know who it is? And sometimes you don't know who it is because it doesn't identify. My favorite one on my phone, it says, private caller. I don't get it. How many times did I not answer God's call? I don't know. How many times have you let God's call just ring for you? How many opportunities was I given to be forgiven, to be rescued, to be saved, How many times did those calls go unanswered? I don't bemoan this. I just recognize that's a reality. I'm also convinced that there's not a single person on earth that has answered God's call where God has not continued to call with fresh grace, renewed forgiveness, and new direction for life. That happened to me here, not in this location, but at Bethany when it was on Franklin Square in New Britain 40 years ago. It was a time of some turmoil in the church. It was a time of a desperate need for God to guide and direct his church. And in those moments, God called me out of youth work to become a lead pastor. And I began to cut my teeth on being a lead pastor here over 40 years ago. And then moved on to the first church that I served beginning as its lead pastor in Minnesota, later back in California, finally back here in Connecticut for 19 years down in Easton. What an adventure that has been as a result of that ongoing call of God, initiating his call for new direction, new pattern, 
new joy in life. God has continued to call me in my life in recent years as well. In the summer, I'll tell you a story. In the summer of 2013, a year after I retired the first time, I'm now working on my third time eventually, I was being pursued for an opportunity I was very excited about. I had for several decades worked very closely with people who are alcoholics and other people who are addicted or obsessed or compulsive in their life's behaviors. It's all the same thing. It's just that alcohol participates in one of those. I had preached a 13-week series on the 12-step program several times from biblical perspective. I'd been asked to bring that series to another church and to another rescue mission in Fairfield County, Connecticut. I'd begun the early work of writing a book based on that series. And now the director of the rescue mission in Bridgeport wanted me to be their pastor teacher for both their men's and women's program. I was excited about this opportunity. It seemed like the direction I should go in. I wanted to know what God wanted, so I prayed. I wanted to know what Carolyn wanted, so we talked. I have two people I need to check in with about things. God is one, you know the other one. The night before I was to meet with the director, I went to bed, still not fully knowing how I was going to respond to him the next day over lunch. At midnight, I was awakened by the strangest dream. I had never had a dream like this before. I was talking with Jesus in the dream. I'd never had a dream with Jesus in it. My dreams always seemed more like bad salsa, stuff that just made no sense. You're like, it's just crazy stuff. And I was talking with Jesus, and here's the words he said, the exact words he said. I made you for my church. Then I woke up. I was stunned. I, I wonder what that was all about. I rolled over. I went back to sleep. At 2 o'clock, two hours later, I was awakened from the same dream again. I was talking with Jesus. He said, I made you for my church. I said, are you trying to tell me something? I'm not getting it. But are you trying to tell me something? I went back to sleep. This time I rolled over on the other side. Maybe that would help. At 4 a.m., The third rerun of the dream happened again. This time I got up. I knew something was up. I knew I wasn't getting it, but I knew I had to get up to try and figure out what was going on. I went downstairs to pray and seek clarity. It came. God was telling me to say no to the rescue mission. It's not the church. It's not where I belong. As much as I looked forward to that opportunity... I told him at noon I could not accept the offer. He was stunned. I was surprised at the words coming out of my mouth, but I had to listen to what had gone on that night. And Carolyn was home praying for me. She knew what God was saying, but she wasn't going to tell me. She knew I had to figure that out for myself. That night, after saying no to the mission, I got a phone call from the Evangelical Covenant Church in Springfield, Massachusetts, asking if I would meet with their leadership team to discuss the possibility of becoming their transition pastor. That night, after saying no, after saying no to what I thought was God's will for my life, 
I met with them. We began a relationship that lasted more than three years. Then I retired for the second time. God had clearly called me in my dreams. He pursues us to follow, and he pursues us after we follow to follow in a fresh, directed way. How has God pursued you? Are you listening? Do you hear him as he speaks? God not only initiates the call, God not only pursues us to receive a call, God not only continues to pursue us after we've said yes to the call, God's call is life-changing. God transforms us. When Jesus called his disciples, it wasn't just follow me. It was follow me and I will make you fishers of men. God has an intended outcome. And certainly the great commission of winning people to Jesus is one of those outcomes. I have called you so that you might call others. I have called you so that you can be my mouthpiece to bring my gospel to others. I have called you to transform you so that your life will be a call on other people's lives as they see you following Jesus. The other intended outcome is that we would become conformed to the image of his son, meaning that we become like him. Now that's a transformation. God builds into us the character of his son, probably most clearly seen in the fruit of the Spirit. And what is fruit if not the intended outcome of a tree? He transforms us into people with the character traits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And let me clear up a confusion that's happened over the years. People confuse sometimes the fruit and the gifts. Not that they don't know that, well, that's a fruit and that's a gift, but in the sense that the gifts are given individually to people and you don't get them all. You get some, at least one, sometimes and often more than one. But with the fruit, you get all of them. That's character. You don't just get, well, I got love, but I don't have joy. So I'm a sad person who loves people. I'm sorry, that's not what Christ transforms us to. He transforms all of us who follow him, who have said yes to the call, by putting in us the character traits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You get them all. And it takes a lifetime for those transformative character traits to be built in us. If your life is anything like mine before surrendering to Jesus, you know that God's transformation is powerful and wonderful. And you also know that the old you shows up. And God has more work to do. I know he shows up in me. And it requires fresh surrender. Fresh answering to the call to wholeness. There are many practical and tangential aspects of God's transformation in our lives. God's call in my life initially, the one I answered anyway initially, in 1964 impacted the rest of my life. Totally changed things. I was about to go off to college. It was the summer before college began. Yes, I was going to study, but mostly I was going to play some football. 
I loved hitting people. Hitting people was just a joy of my life. I loved to see them go down. I didn't like going down myself so much. Today, football's okay. I don't dare want to play football now because if I went down, I wouldn't get up again. It's just how it works when you get older. But when I called home from Winona Lake to tell my parents, who were wonderful Christians, what had happened that night with Bill Glass, my dad told me at the end of the call that I'd received a call from the athletic director of a small Christian college, liberal arts college in Seattle, with a scholarship, not for football, they had no football, but to run track. I knew God was in that. This was not a coincidence. I was a new Christian. This was all fresh in me. My heart was very tender. My mind was totally shaken up. So I walked away from football and went to a Christian college to run track. I got more than I bargained for. You could say that I ran into Carolyn there. on the first day of school. And God called us to a life together. What a gift that has been for both of us. Probably more a gift for me than for her, but we'll talk about that some other time. And what an adventure we have been able to share. And it was there in that school that I was called to ministry changing my major from pre-med to Christian education and biblical literature with the intention of going to seminary in Chicago at North Park, our covenant school. My friends, a worthy life begins with a call, the call from God, not a call to ministry, but a call to follow Jesus and then to do ministry, whatever he calls us to do in our life's work. God calls all of us, He pursues us before we answer and after, and he transforms our lives. The question before us is this, are we listening? Do we stop long enough to listen? Or are the noises of this world drowning out his call? Do you hear anything right now? Just listen. What do you hear? You hear a buzzing? You hear a fan? Guess what that is? That's a very old projector doing this up there. I hear it every Sunday. It's white noise that helps us not hear things. We have white noise in our life all the time. When you're driving your car, are you listening to what? I'm listening to sports radio and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, that's not really edifying my life a whole lot, but I sure love it. Or music or whatever, we listen all the time to some things, but are we listening to God? Are we intentionally putting ourselves in a place to listen? God is calling today. He calls us every day. He calls us and are we listening Do we put ourselves in places to hear him? God calls us every Sunday as we gather to worship. As we hear the scriptures read, he calls us. As we sing the songs of worship, he's calling us. 
as we listen to the prayers he calls us, as we hear sermons preached, even as we hear sermons preached, he's calling us. Are we listening to God's call? A worthy life begins with a call, and a worthy life continues with a call and a regular conversation with the God who's calling. Let us respond to God's call. Pray with me. Father, give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to us personally. Give us ears to hear. And give us the will to surrender to you always, at all times, for all things. In the name of Jesus, we pray to you. Amen.